accomplished a wondrous and great deed. Before succumbing to the conquering combination of white people's diseases, soldiers, and endless streams of settlers, young Shoshone men had entered adulthood by performing a great deed. Perhaps they counted coup against the Blackfeet, or stole horses from the Nez Perce, or struggled for months to memorize the elaborate and lengthy rituals surrounding the Beaver Society's medicine bundle. Her father, seas far away, was able to divine the whereabouts of buffalo in a time of great starvation. Also there were stories, not many to be sure, of Shoshone women who had become warriors. These men and women inspired their fellow Shoshone with their great acts, reminding them of the greatness they were all capable of achieving. If many could emulate the leaders of the past and perform a great and heroic deed, she too would inspire her people. It seemed to her they needed inspiration of some sort, stranded as they were on an isolated reservation. They needed to be reminded that they were as great a people now as when their grandmothers were babies. Many knew also that a great deed would forever live inside her, giving her the strength she would need to live a full and proud life. It saddened many that she had come to feel safer keeping her desire secret to herself. She had tired of having her grand aspirations mocked, and though stories were still told of Shoshone youths of old who had performed great deeds, there was now never talk or encouragement of such rash actions. These days it was thought pointless, even dangerous, to enter adulthood with heroics or magnificence. They were wrong about greatness being pointless, thought many, but she couldn't argue about it being dangerous. She was thankful she'd never had to worry about being kidnapped and such by Blackfeet braves, and she was happy to attend school and learn about the world beyond the reservation, whereas her mothers and grandmothers might have slowly tortured to death a captive or fought off a murderous grizzly bear while out picking huckleberries. The suffocating stillness of sedentary reservation life was not without compensation— Though the more she thought about it, being eaten by a huge snarling grizzly after a courageous battle sounded better than being stifled to death. Minnie's thoughts rambled on, swirling around questions that had no answers. She stirred restlessly, suddenly anxious. It was then that her careful ears heard the tiniest splash from the Lewis River, likely the little otter that lived on the far bank. She decided to visit him. Minnie slipped into the brand-new cotton dress the Fort Lapway Agency had distributed along with other clothes to her family. She smiled at her luck that the dress was long enough to fit her tall body, red, with a row of white buttons in the front running from her neck to her toes. The dress made her feel clean and pretty, and in an odd way she couldn't describe, excited and bold. Quietly, so as not to wake anyone, though dawn was not so far away, she slid through the door flap and stepped outside. Her skin tingled pleasantly at the snap of the crisp early morning air of summer. But for the soft rustle of the river and the sound of her own breath, the world was without sound. In the eastern sky, a handful of stars paled and peacefully melted into the blue edge of dawn. A half-moon dipped low in the west, brushing the jagged snow-capped peaks of the Sawtooth Range, and illuminating some thirty teepees lining the shore. About as many one-room wood-framed houses perched awkwardly on higher ground, 
Beyond that first rise, many could make out the dark outlines of St. Leo's Catholic Church, the agency's school, and the Fort Lapway Indian Agency offices. This settlement on the Shoshone Indian Reservation in central Idaho, and only a day's horse ride from the Montana border, was home for the band of Shoshone Indians led by her father, Seas Far Away. Though urged by Mr. Burton, the kindly Indian agent and schoolteacher, Seas Far Away did not choose to live in a wood house. Seas Far Away complained that the wind blew through the many cracks in the walls and that the houses were hot in the summer and cold in the winter. Also, a teepee is round like the moon and the sun and the sky, and he thought it good to live in a circle. Though once he was a famous warrior and was still a great Shoshone chief, he complained he was too old to learn to live inside a square with its empty corners. Minnie walked hurriedly to the river in her bare feet. Moon-white puffballs drifted down from the tall cottonwoods and blanketed the ground. Minnie's bustling red dress swirled them into busy blizzards. She arrived finally at a large, flat shelf of rock, submerged beneath an inch of cold, cold-running river water that tingled her bare feet. She stopped. Trapped again, thought Minnie. Trapped in a hopeless reservation. She remained standing in the cold water just to feel alive. Frustrated, she picked up some rocks and sorted them until she held a nice handful of sharp, flat ones. Taking one in her right hand, she squeezed its jagged edges and smooth facets tight between fingers and palm. The rock felt hard and determined and full of strength. A good rock. She liked it. She decided to send it on a journey. But to where? The disappearing moon and nascent dawn merged their light to create a magical and ever-changing glow. Minnie's eyes searched the river under the evanescent light. She breathed deeply, feeling the cool air spill into her lungs and flow through her blood. She paused to savor the preciousness of the passing moment, then stepped back out of the water. The older Shoshone called this the River of Broken Trees. But in the year 1803, exactly 100 years earlier, the first white men to see it named it for their leader, Lewis. Now most of her band called it by that name. That bothered Minnie for some vague reason— in silent protest of the name change, she stepped back into the water. A movement caught her eye. There, she spotted the otter's silvery black back slinking across the water's surface near the far shore. Minnie pulled back her arm and let loose, throwing her rock with perfect accuracy. No one, not even the strongest young Shoshone men, could match Minnie's arm in accuracy or distance. The rock skipped in front of the otter's nose, with a squeak, he shot up out of the water and into the air, then nosedived to the safety of the deep. Minnie laughed at his surprise. Ho! Oh, you like to frighten little otter? She jumped at the words but didn't turn, every bit the surprised little otter herself. From mere inches behind her, a deep resonant voice filled Minnie's ear with its quiet thunder. Father! Seas far away stood immediately behind Minnie, yet his approach had been perfect in its silence. He stared past her at the distant bank while patiently filling his pipe with tobacco. Though he had lived more winters than other men who could no longer walk or who had forgotten the names of their children, Seas Far Away was not entirely an old man. Only part of him was old. Most of him was young. Minnie stepped back onto dry land to stand beside him. 
She studied his weathered, leathery face and detected a hint of proud smile. He is right to be proud to sneak up on me, she thought. He is as agile and crafty now as when he was a young brave, and because he has grown wiser with the passing of many winters, even the white people respect him as a great chief. Mr. Burton himself bows slightly when he greets father. Are you so angry at little Otter that you would frighten him away from our camp? Minnie threw more rocks into the river without aiming just to hear them plink in the water. I wish I were little Otter. Then I would be free to swim away from this place. Hmm. I would swim away and perform a great deed, something to make our people proud of themselves again, something to call on for strength in my life's journey. I want to become a Shoshone by the old ways. But here on the reservation there is nothing great to do. There is nothing little to do either. Our opportunities have been taken from us. We count days and moons and winters, that is all. Seas far away spoke wonderingly. This surprises me. Mr. Burton tells me you do great things in his schoolroom, that you know the words on paper better than most white children. And when I hear you play the mandolin, it sings like the morning lark. Do you say these are not great things? Minnie threw a rock high in a slow floating arc. Hi! All over the world children do those things. I want to do something that only I can do. Something great. As the rock fell towards the river, she fired another fast and straight, hitting the falling rock and knocking it instead to the far shore. But what I will do, I do not know. If I was born in your time, maybe I'd have been like Black Elk Lady, or kills them twice, and fought as a woman warrior. But that was another time. Now it is different. I'm trapped in a tired village. There is nothing here, and I don't know where there is to go to do what I...